St. Thomas Sports Park. My name is Mike Keith. Amy Wells is here. Hey, Mike. Welcome. How are you? I'm well. And the great Jim Wyatt, better known as TGJW. <laughs> great Jim. Oh. TGJW. Yeah. I, I like little the little clunky, that, yeah. but it's okay. TGJW. We'll <laughs> you say it louder, it doesn't make it less clunky. <laughs> kind of like the country's best yogurt, I guess. It's uh, TG Very similar. Yeah. <laughs> it's di- only different. I, I, I the same, if, only different. I don't know if I'm worthy Leave of that, the acronyms <laughs> to me, Jim. It's my area. You write the stories. You write the songs. He did come up with the You OTP. are the lyrical genius, but uh, <laughs> yes, uh, the acronyms, uh, that's my area. We're glad to have you with us for the OTP. And really proud, uh, shout out to Stuart Spears for getting this done in here with how good it's the cool. studio looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new logos that you see. This is uh, an evolving process with this radio and television studio that we have had since August, and we are really proud of it. Really thankful to ownership for getting it done and continuing to step it up. It looks so nice. Amy's got the Titan up behind her. I do. Which really looks good, and I have the OTP logo in white. Which is nice. It, pops. it really pops. It pops. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you got a fireball. And right. uh, there's more to come, actually. There are more things we're going to be doing to the studio as we go. So we're, we're very proud of it. And it's a lot of room for Jim's sponsorship yes. logos that he wants to do. That's right. Yeah. Can we name that Titan? Uh, Can't, like I mean, are we allowed to or can That's a we? good question because I think I know who it is. I but think it, oh, I know who it is. Too. Are we not allowed to? Oh, I mean, you can you can try it if you want to, sure. Who do you think it is? I think it's Logan Ryan. I think it's Logan Ryan, too. I think it's Generic Titan. Generic <laughs> Titan. The Titan with no name. Okay, how about these uh, these guys on this wall right here? Uh, oh, I can't do oh, hands. Oh, I know who all those guys are. I can't do hands. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so, Monday night, the Titans go to Dallas and get a big win. And I know everybody's supposed to turn the page and move on to the next game. I get that. I haven't yet. But Well, we don't have to yet. <laughs> uh, let's just take just a minute and recap what we saw in Monday night football uh, almost similar to London in that we all said when we went to London eh, whatever and then we get there and it's like whoa you know this is really something special so you're saying Monday night football Dallas Tennessee both three and four um, okay but then you get there and AT&T Stadium is electric it's the Cowboys. You see Jason Witten and all and everything going on with him there. And I mean, it's the big show, like you expect it to be. And on the big stage, the Titans promptly come out and screw it all up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was terrible at the start. There's no question. And uh, boy, it looked like it was going to be a long night. And uh, I think we all know the play that changed the game: the Kevin Byard interception in the end zone. Um, and it was a completely different game. And I think you felt like it should have been, you know, 13, 14, 17 to nothing at, at, at one point early. And the fact that the, it, when it was 7 to 7, I felt like the Titans were in pretty good shape at that point because the Cowboys had missed some opportunities and the Titans knew that they had, had dodged a couple of bullets. Well, the Cowboys come out and they take the ball right down the field and then promptly miss a 38-yard field goal which is automatic in the NFL. A 38-yard field goal, I mean, it was, it was a lot of Ezekiel Elliott. 
and it was exactly what everybody expected to see, and yet the, the Titans get the stop. The Cowboys get the 38-yard field goal attempt, and Maher misses it. And you're like, okay, well, this is good. And then the sack and the forced fumble that came up, which was a bad play on a lot of levels. And it just – I mean, it was almost a nightmarish-type fumble for how much yardage the Titans ended up losing on the play along with losing the football. Yeah, and the place was jacked up, as you mentioned, the excitement inside that building. I mean, the, the Cowboys came out ready to play. They get a touchdown from their their first round, the, the guy they traded a first round pick for. I mean, it seemed like everything was going right for Dallas and nothing was going right for the Titans. And uh, a lot of times that's tough to recover from. I mean, you, you dig yourself a big enough hole and uh, – and you just can't ever get out of it. And I, I, I thought it was was a great sign that this team was able to kind of bounce back from some of those uh, mistakes early. Well, the Cowboys get, have a good pass rush. Demarcus Lawrence is a really good player. He beat Jack Conklin. Uh, the noise clearly helping Lawrence get off the ball more quickly. And then the, the Amari Cooper touchdown just set that place off like it was nobody's business because you're saying – hey, here's our new guy, our new weapon, and here's a big score, here it goes. Exactly. You could tell that the Dallas fan base was so excited that the Amari Cooper trade worked. You know, that felt like it solidified everything they had done, everything that they were excited about, and there it was. It happened. My heart sank when I saw that it was Amari Cooper who made that touchdown. Well, it comes on the next play as you're watching the video version of the OTP, and we're glad you're with us. It comes on this play, Prescott – it's an in-and-out pattern to Cooper, who runs a perfect route and just gets it inside for a four-yard touchdown. And I mean, it was deafening at that moment. It's like a star in the theater that you're anticipating coming onto the stage, walks onto the stage at this moment to sing his or her solo. You're, you're saying, oh, this is the, the star power. And then, you know, you just have everything start to, to go wrong. Titans come back, get a good completion to Corey Davis, and you're saying, okay, maybe things are getting right. And then, you know, the the next play is just disaster and something that you don't expect to see, and that is Mariota and Lewis, two veterans, messing up an exchange. I don't know whose fault it was. Mariota's credited with the fumble. But, I mean, this is – I mean, th- that doesn't happen in the NFL. Yeah. It was kind of – it was in his hip. I mean, it's just crazy. The one, the touchdown that came later, the little flip to Jonu Smith, was deep inside his belly when he pulled it out. This right. one hardly got in there. So, it's probably on uh, – I don't it's, it's on both of them, I think. I mean, that's one of those plays you practice throughout the week that you uh, hope you put yourself in a position where it's not a problem on Monday or Sunday whenever you play, and it, it ended up being a problem and uh, – just poured more fuel on the fire for that crowd at the beginning. And fortunately for the Titans, they got a big defensive play. They sure did. Kevin Byard. Which they absolutely – if something doesn't happen at that moment, the, I mean, even if they kick a field goal there to make it 10 to nothing, it's still momentum, Cowboys, here we go, we're really fired up, you know, all of this. They hit the screen – and I think it's Jayon was it it's Evans who makes the tackle, which is a huge play uh, that he chases it down and gets him after a thirty seven yard gain. There you see Evans knocking him out of bounds. And the Titans beautiful screen. Only time they really got victimized on the screen all night. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and boy, Zeke was uh, Zeke was on it early too, and you figured he was going to be a huge impact throughout the game. Uh, we didn't hear a whole lot from Ezekiel Elliott from uh, you know as the, as the game went well, on. Well, the big and, reason is they didn't have the ball. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that certainly impacted things. I, I do think they got away from using him. I think one of the reasons they weren't able to sustain drive is be, is because they just didn't run it, and and who knows how it would have gone. But it, it, they were sure certainly effective with him. Early and here's the big play you're talking about. It's great defense. Mm-hmm. It's great defense by Ryan and it's great defense by Byard. Yep. And then uh, they had to sprint to the star, which uh, certainly has been a topic of conversation since. Uh, I, you know, I know teammates seem to like it. I know the fan base seemed to be mixed. I think most people liked it, but the general, you know, the, the head coach certainly was not the a big fan of it. The audience of one. Yes, uh-huh. and that's the. That's the guy you're, well, you're wanting to please. I, I know they've hashed it out since, and uh, I think they're on the same page with at it. At the moment it happened in the stadium, it did not feel like the Terrell Owens play from years ago when he was with San Francisco because what you couldn't see, maybe you could see it on TV, I don't know, but the Cowboys, after the fumble recoveries, did this celebration mm-hmm. where the whole defense took, uh-huh. a, took a picture. They got together and took a picture. In the end zone. Uh-huh. And I don't know if anybody literally took a picture. I'm sure some photog took a picture of it. But that was their celebration. And it was real staged. It was like, come on, guys, you just recovered a fumble. So, right. So now we're going to do this. And they did it twice. So when Bayer did that, it was more like, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, fine. You've got your little thing. And that worries me. I, I don't care for any of that stuff uh-huh. myself. But that worries me because I think we're going to get back to the point that we were years ago when Washington used to do the fun bunch in the end zone. They would yep. they would gather in a circle in the mm-hmm. end zone, and they would do this thing where th- and they would all fall backwards, and yeah. it was funny and all you know to them. They loved yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Well, other players, defensive players, started getting in the middle of the circle, and more or less, it started fights. Yeah, guys are like, "Look, you are not going to do this." Yeah. I think that's where we're going with some of this stuff, and that worries me again because if I'm a defensive player, I don't want to get shown up. Right. If I'm an offensive player and the defense does something great, I don't want to get shown up. I mean, offensive linemen aren't going to take well to those sorts of celebrations. No. Defensive backs and linebackers are not going to take well to those celebrations. So I like something fun, something fast. I, I don't mind it. But what Thomas did getting the Joe the Joe Horn phone trick in the New Orleans game, I, I hope we're not going back to that, which is why I'm saying, while I disagree with what Bayer did, uh-huh. and I think Coach is exactly right in what he's saying, in the moment it was kind of a take that, Dallas. It felt like a response. It's, it felt more like a response, which – Quite frankly, the Titans needed. They right. needed something at that moment. So mm-hmm. maybe not appropriate, but and I and I know Coach doesn't care for it, and I agree. And I I hope he doesn't do it again. And I like Byard's response to what Coach Vrabel has said. He did not mean to be a distraction in that point in that area. Yeah, and I think you know that conversation took to uh, happen pretty quickly on Monday night too because they had two rounds of conversations that's one thing Kevin said right after the game I mean he said he did it to show hey we're not scared we're here right. to play it's Monday night you know we're, we're not going anywhere and uh, but I think Mike Vrabel said something to him on Monday and then they met again to talk about it and certainly Kevin Byard has a lot of respect for his head coach he's not trying to necessarily show anybody up and he's certainly not trying says he's not trying to get into a 
into the doghouse over a celebration. I mean, he and he said next time he will uh, find a teammate and celebrate. Well, you know, is interesting. So some of his teammates obviously found him. They yeah. they saw where he was going. They joined him. One cowboy kind of gave him a little shove. Kind and, of a uh, weak response yeah, from the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I, you yeah. expected to see a little bit more defending the star, but uh, it didn't happen. Uh, and I do think the Titans, you know, played with some fire after that. They did. That. They did. I mean, you've got to, in this league, you've got to have a little something about you to do that job where you don't exactly care what the other team think. You can't be scared. Right. And I and I think that's more what Bayard was doing. He could have done the same sort of thing in the end zone with a bunch of guys, but uh, you know, at at that moment you kind of you kind of understood why he felt like he did. So I guess I'm taking all sides on it, but I'm worried about this overall issue with where it's going cuz I think we're going to I think there's going to be a melee somewhere. I think you're going to get yeah. And that's why they put in the celebration rule before was not because guys were jumping in the stands or spiking the ball or doing leapfrog in the end zone. It was because these big organized celebrations start to cause fights. Right. And I get that. And I understand why you would want to avoid something like that. But, I mean, really in that moment, I 1,000% agree with you. It felt like a response to the way that the Cowboys were kind of poking fun at this Titans team for making some mistakes early. That's what that felt like to me. Felt like Kevin Byard responding to that. And for as much of a stink that has been made post-game about KB's celebration and the Cowboys saying that you don't disrespect the star, you don't do things like that, where were they? Yeah. I mean, there was one person who came out there, kind of gave him a shove. But well, it you wasn't... remember when it happened years ago, George Teague came yes. out and yeah. absolutely wiped T.O. out. Oh, yeah. I remember. And that was a and that was a big moment. And you understood why he did that. Yeah. Uh, but now every, nobody said anything. Uh, nobody did anything until yeah. after the game. Yeah. Call it discipline. Call it what good sportsmanship. But if you're really that mad, do something about it. I love Kevin Byard, though. Me too. I just, I'm so glad Kevin Byard is on this team. He is such a good football player. He played the run well. He made a big play when they had to have it. And as uh, our friend KB, Keith Bullock, says, uh, you got to have the big guys show up on Monday nights. Yeah. And, and th- in that moment, the Titans needed one of their best players to do something, and he did it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a common message this weekend if the Titans are going to have a chance to beat the New England Patriots. The best players have to make big things happen. That's okay. why you pay them the most money. That's why you draft them the highest. That's why they're on the side of the building. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it's all about. If you're going to win games like Monday night or this week, the best guys have to show up. Yep. Can I show something else? I want to go – can we go to the fourth drive, uh, the Titans' fourth drive? Um, I think we have that because there were some big-time plays – from that drive, the first one, th- I think we're seeing the third and seven. And who's this young man? Cameron Batson catches a 12-yard pass to keep the drive alive. Great route, great throw. But how about going to the rookie undrafted on Monday Night Football on third and seven? That was big. I tell you, the the play, and I don't know whether we're coming to it, the the pass he caught on third down where he lowered his shoulder. Yeah. And no, we're seeing – we're seeing maybe Mariota's best throw of the year. That's the Jennings. Yeah. I don't yep. see how this yep. ball got in there. Three Cowboys right around it. 
amazing. Yeah, and good for Darius Jennings because I know he beat himself up after not making a catch against the Eagles earlier this season on a deep ball. This one's in between three guys. He took a big hit, held on to the ball, and he played, I think, what, maybe six, seven snaps on offense. So yeah. you talk about rising to the occasion. I mean, that was a big, big throw. Big catch, and I think Jennings and Batson, you, who you mentioned earlier. I mean, the, both those guys stepped up when, uh, you know, when the team needed it. Best screen of this year, one of the best screens I have ever seen the Titans run. The Titans never a good screen team. Historically, not a good screen team. This one, however, may show us that's changing, Jim. Yeah, look at the blocking on that too. Is Quentin Spain early? Uh, then you had Klein out there. Then you ben had Jones. Ben Jones finishing it off at the goal line. I mean, that, that's the way you do it. And Deion Lewis is the type of player who can excel in that situation because he's fast, he's shifty, he reads the blocks well, and he's just hard to, to tackle. So, uh, yeah, that looked nice. So you've got Batson on third and seven, Jennings on third and ten for 36 yards, and then the screen pass to Lewis. None of those guys are Delaney Walker, nope. Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor. I mean, that's going into the group, finding different things, and that's what this offense is all about. It's using every single element. Isn't that what they said at the very beginning when we hired Matt LaFleur? What was it he said? Offensive multiplicity? Yes. Is that what that was? I think that's right. Ta-da! Found it! He's using whatever he can, whatever they need to do. We've seen him do it before against Houston. They use whatever they had. Right. And they can MacGyver an offense together, and I'm glad that there are well, coaches. Well, and, and you're saying it right. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping now with more weapons available, they don't have to MacGyver it as much, but they can right. use everything. Mm -hmm. Because I'll give you another guy that reemerged Monday night that could be a big part of this offense in the second half of the year, and that's Jonu Smith. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's funny. You look back at last week, Delaney Walker was talking about, you know, he made an appearance in the locker room, was talking about Jonu Smith and, and still raving about him, what he's capable of doing. The questions were, are you surprised he hasn't done more? Why hasn't he been as productive? And he talked about how he was put in a tough spot after he uh, was injured and, and Delaney putting blame on himself for not being available but uh, it, but it, one thing he said is that John Smith just needs some confidence. If he could make some plays, get some confidence, I think it'll do wonders for him. And the fact that he made a couple of big catches, including for one for a touchdown, ought to give him confidence moving forward. Uh, you know, we'll, it remains to be seen how Justin Fowler will be worked into the uh, this offense. I think once he is active and involved in some plays, I think that frees up John Smith to do even more. But uh, no, I think a great sign there for uh, for Janu. Another beautiful play. The left-hand flip on the read option going to what was always known as the Utah pass. I don't know what the kids are calling it now. Maybe the shovel pass. <laughs> but uh, that was a thing of beauty to be able to score down there from seven yards out. And, again, this offense is a lot about spacing. It's a lot about timing. Uh, and, and as I watched the Rams play – uh, the Saints. When we got to the hotel, I immediately clicked that game on and I finished it. I mean, that was such an entertaining game. But you watch that offense, which is what this offense is, and you see the precision, the way they use everyone, the different things that go into it. And, you know, we all had a feeling it would be a while before – because, I mean, if you line up two yards too wide – your angle and your timing is not exactly what it's supposed to be. Right. 
if you're if you're too close, you bring your man into the into the picture. It's it's a lot about spacing and timing. And Dave McGinnis has talked to me a lot and explained. I know he has to mm-hmm. you as well, explaining how it all fits together. The offense itself, I don't think, is overly complicated, Jim. But the the setup, how they want it to look, the personnel groupings, it has to be precise. Yeah, and I think everyone realized it would take some time. There would be some growing pains along the way with a new offense, a new coordinator, and guys being asked to do something different than they'd done uh, in previous years. And and this is a young team. I mean, John U. Smith, a second-year guy. You know, some of those guys we were talking about earlier – uh, all young players, you know, obviously Davis and Taewon Taylor and Tajay Sharp, all second-year guys. Is it fixed yet? I mean, is it is it a finished product? No, I think there still will be some growing pains as teams react to what the Titans are doing, and the Titans are going to have to make some adjustments. But you got to get what you're supposed to do down first, and uh, and I think we're starting to see some of that. And, and I think it's looked good the past couple of weeks after uh, a, a miserable performance against the Ravens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about Malcolm Butler. Yes. Talk of the week to this point with all of the Patriots things starting to bubble, which mm-hmm. and we're going to have all of them. I mean, let's face it, we've got the head coach, we've got Belichick, we've got John Robinson again, mm-hmm. who's who's already sort of faced this. Um, the players – you know, yeah. the Deion Lewis's and Logan Ryan faced it last year in the playoffs, but it's going to come mm-hmm. up again. The McCourties, uh, especially with Jason now starting in New England due to the injury to Eric Rowe. Mm-hmm. But yesterday it was it was Malcolm Butler Day. Well, I think it'll be Malcolm Butler Day even more today because he it was a very brief appearance uh, for him in the locker room yesterday because it because it's a funny schedule with the with the short week and uh, and players were in and out of there. I think he was probably in the locker room for a minute and a half talking to reporters and and uh, I have a feeling that he'll he'll be back in there today for a more extended time. Uh, he's not running from it. I mean, he wasn't in sure. there for a minute and a half because he was ducking. I, I know I heard some people earlier in the day who think Butler will show up all week, and he, he's not a guy that's been hiding you know, outside the locker room waiting for people to leave. He stood there and answered the questions all season. Uh, it hasn't gone like he would, hoped it would have at the start of the season. He hasn't made excuses. He says he thinks he's trying to do too much. He's tried everything to correct what's gone wrong, which I think a lot is a lot of him just feeling like he needs to make plays sometimes when they're not there. He's gone back and looked at film from his 2014 season when he was with the Patriots to try to get that fire back when he said he had doggish ways when he first came in the league as a, as, uh, as a guy no one gave a chance. Uh, he's been victimized on some plays. There's no doubt about it. He got caught uh, – trying to cheat up on the play on Monday night, and they took advantage of it. The him. Hearns play, yeah, the I touchdown. Mean, so, I mean, he's got to be better. He knows it. You know, questions have already started to come. When is he going to be benched? You know, do you replace him with LaShawn Sims? Mike Vrabel's not going there. Uh, and I still think Malcolm Butler's got it in him to turn this thing around. And uh, it, we're just half the season in. in. I think the Patriots will come after him on Sunday. And uh, we'll just kind of see how he responds. But he, he's not ducking, and I expect him to be back in the locker room uh, for a more extended conversation today. You know, I've never been a defensive back in the National Football League, but I have to assume that that is one of the positions that is the most mental because mm-hmm. you are the one a good point. who's kind of out there on an island, 
and you're going to get blown past way more than you're actually going to make a play. It is what it is. So what does a guy do to get his mindset back in that place to where he's not thinking so much and not trying so hard to make a play, and he can just go out and do it? Well, that, that's you've said it. I mean, if there won't be a better point made on the OTP today than what you just said about where he is right now, I think. Listen, his technique looks good. He's in good position at different times. But what I think they're discussing a lot with him is eye discipline. Now, yep. some of the catches he gives up are in zone coverage, and those are not necessarily on him. But in man, and, and listen, I, mental reps, eye discipline, I get it. Everybody rolls their eyes when they use those terms. Right. Uh, the mental rep thing's the one that's always gotten me. But anyway. The eye discipline is he's peeking into the backfield at certain moments. That's what he did on the Hearns play. Yep. If he, you know, he he's got to, when he's in man, just concentrate on covering the guy. Mm-hmm. We've seen him do it. I mean, he's sticky, sticky. He's going to give up some catches, but don't worry about the big play. Don't worry about the interception. Don't worry about the contract. Don't worry about what everybody thinks of you. Right. Just do what you do. Uh, the coaching staff has confidence in him. Mm-hmm. They, they really do. They wouldn't keep putting him out there if they didn't believe in him. I, I just think he's trying to change the conversation too much right. by making a play or, or getting a pick six or or, uh, or ending a drive in the red zone by making a spectacular play instead of just settling in and, and doing his job like he's been coached to do. Uh, I hate it for him because I think he's a really good guy, and I think he, you know, he's uh, a pro. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the day he signed here, and he got a nice contract. There's no question about it. He was signed early in free agency. He was out here on the practice field the very next morning after getting that contract at eight o'clock. You know, running sprints, and and, uh, and I think he's approached you know this season uh, just like he has any other year. He's worked hard. He's, he's 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 again. I don't think he's kicked his feet back because he got a big contract. He's working. Uh, it just has not gone like he wanted it to or like anybody else has wanted it to so far. But uh, I still think, you know, he'll settle in, and I think he's going to help this team moving forward. Well, physically, he's fine. You know, it, it's not like some guys, and, and this happens, we see it, guys can't run anymore or a guy has a shoulder that bothers him all the time or whatever. It, it's really, it's to Amy's point, It gets to it gets to the point where you're, sometimes trying to do too much right yeah you can't think that much right you just yeah. have to play it sometimes. yeah and i think and I, I know i saw my own twitter here you know, a couple of weeks ago after one of his days was coming at uh anybody who was pumping him up in the preseason or in training camp sure. so all you guys you know have hyped him up too much you know you said he was gonna be this said he was gonna be that what happened in training camp happened in training camp he intercepted a half dozen balls he took the ball away from Corey Davis I mean he was everywhere mm-hmm. he had a little bit of a setback didn't play the last couple of weeks because of an injury but he was great from the get-go here uh, and he had an interception in week one I mean I think everybody figured okay here we go this, this is this is why this guy was brought here uh, he's given up a lot of play since I mean he, and he's got to be better there's no doubt about it and uh, well that's the way the defense which has been or one of the ways the defense which has played well can play even better is if they can get him and, and listen he's going to give up some catches because of how he plays right he's that guy listen give me and i've said this 20 times on the otp and everywhere else give me a guy who battles rather the guy than the guy who's going to play off six yards because uh-huh. you've got no chance to make anything happen if you're playing off six yards this guy's a fighter 
give me a fighter who wants to do it. And and that's why I don't think the coaches are losing confidence in him. They're saying to him, just do your thing. Yep. And he and he's working with a great coach. Kerry Combs is a great secondary coach. He is, and this, and this team's ranked number one in the league in scoring defense. Uh, you know, I guess it's eleventh overall in, in in yards allowed. So you, you talk about as you mentioned, there are ways you can improve. This team's got nowhere to go as far as scoring goes. You can clamp down on some of the yardage stuff, and he's you know certainly given up some big plays on his side. That is an area where you see like things can get better if uh, if he tightens well, up. Well, and it have to this week. Yep. Yeah, this is a good week to do yeah, it. Yeah, because you're wondering, man, there's certainly all kinds of conspiracy theories on what happened with him in, in New England and why he didn't play in the Super Bowl and, and why they didn't bring him back. So you have to suspect that they probably going to well, come after him. I always bit. wondered in that situation, had he lost his edge mentally because he had not had as good a year had and was that something that Belichick thought? Well, if – I mean, if that's the case, keeping him out of the Super Bowl is going to be another knock to that. Trading him away or, or getting get, rid of him, letting him go. yeah, is going to be another knock to that. And then he gets here, has a good training camp, but then starts to see more of the same. If that's – I mean, if he had a mental thing before, he's got to be in a really dark place well, right now. I th- I mean, but he keeps fighting. Yeah. He does it the right way, and you believe in guys – who do that i i'm just yeah. i am by no means ready to give up on this player no me neither i i'm not and Mm-mm. and when he when they signed him i was elated mm-hmm. couldn't believe that they got him love the fact that they have more depth in the secondary i wouldn't mm-hmm. do anything differently the only thing he's got to do right now is just be one of the five right you know because when he's in the game they play five we knew that's what they were going to do the shuffle early in the season Adori was coming in as the fifth and then Logan was sliding to the slot now Logan and Adori are starting and then he then he's coming in so he doesn't play quite as many snaps as those guys but i mean he plays what 75% of the snaps yeah I'll uh, like Mr. Snap, yeah. time, Mr. I'll, snap I'll guy. Snap hey, by the way, speaking of snaps, Ooh. you got two starting inside linebackers. Uh, mm-hmm. You got three inside linebackers playing a ton of snaps. Yep. Wesley Woodyard the other night leads the team in tackles. I think he played forty-three snaps, mm-hmm. and then Jayon Brown, who is just going crazy, <laughs> played forty-two snaps. And then Rashawn Evans played 20 snaps and had four tackles, and we showed one of them earlier. He did some very good things. I like what they're doing, getting those players on the field and giving them a chance to make some things happen. I like it, too. It keeps everybody a little bit fresh. Jayon Brown, obviously, is having a ridiculous season. Wesley Woodyard has been consistent, and he's who he's always been. And Rashawn now is starting to come into his own. He's starting to catch up to the rest of the group. And, I mean, Vrabel said some good things about him and has kept on him a little bit. So I think that those three guys are uh, – they're playing really well. So why not rotate them out? Why not keep them fresh, keep them ready to go? Uh, the Jayon play on Prescott that we're showing right now was phenomenal. You could not tell initially that he had gotten the ball out but, man, he did it and uh, made just a sensational play. Mm-hmm. And then this was a third down play. Look at them just stack it up, run into the ball. Uh, 54 is really starting to thump. 59 can play. And 55 is having a year that I think nobody 
could have expected. No, absolutely not. I think I talked to him a couple weeks ago about it, and he even he seemed kind of confident in what he could do. But really excited that it's all coming Jay together. Jay Brown the way it leads has. the team in sacks. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we saw this coming too because he was the star. I thought of the of the off season workouts. I mean, he's the guy that you know. I would when I would do camp observations or do observations throughout the off season. He was always somebody that I mentioned. So he's kind of picked up where he left off before I stray from the snaps. You know, you're right. I mean, Butler still, he played 47 of 59 snaps on That's Monday 80%. night, mm-hmm. and uh, and Adoree and Logan Ryan played 59 of 59. Snaps in addition to work on special teams. So those guys getting a lot of work. Kenny Vaccaro, good to have him back. He played every snap in his return. Okay, and, uh, so that's what we're going to move to next, the unsung heroes of Monday night. Mine is Kenny Vaccaro. Mm-hmm. I, I thought his return with eight tackles and making things happen the way he did gave the defense quite a punch that they had not had in the three games with him out. So he was my unsung hero of Monday night. And I think that's a good one. And, uh, you know, and I, he, he worked his way back. I think he got pretty close to playing uh, in London. He made that trip. You know, I know, you know, Derek Morgan didn't even travel to London because I think they used that as a time to get him back. And By the way, what healthy. a spot they got on this third down yeah, play I, where, I, I, where <laughs> Vaccaro, Vaccaro hit uh, – Elliot down. That was not a first down, but okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't Whatever. know. And, and I know Mike was asked about that and getting a review. And uh, yeah, I thought that was a very generous spot. Uh, I think Vaccaro's a good one. My unsung hero is going to be Logan Ryan and uh, the way he played against Cole Beasley, especially on third down. Obviously, Dallas was looking to do something different. A lot of plays with uh, a new shiny toy and Amari Cooper being out there, but I thought Logan Ryan played well, and I think he's played well all season. Well, Cole mm-hmm. Beasley is basically Linus's blanket to Dak Prescott on third down. And, <laughs> well, he is. I mean, he, he 100%. No, it's so good. <laughs> but it's 100% true. I mean, and he only had three catches for 16 yards. Logan played great. Mm-hmm. I was, so who's your unsung hero, Amy Wells? Wesley Woodyard. Number 59, he, uh, he, had tackles. A, yeah, he had a good game, led the team in tackles. But his consistency, his leadership, he came out on the sidelines after a couple plays that didn't go the defense's way. And he was getting on guys' butts. He was in their face. Thank you for butts. You're welcome. He was in their face. He was <laughs> – I mean, he, he wasn't letting anyone off the hook. And – that's what you need in games. You need a dad. You need a coach. You need someone to keep everyone together, and that was Wesley Woodyard. You say he was maybe the pig pen out there? Uh, <laughs> man, I, come on. <laughs> he was, uh, hey, you're what, reaching on he that. He was Lucy. She Lucy. was the one that kept everyone in line. Yeah, she pulled the ball out uh-huh. from Charlie Brown. Yep. I she think was Byard, was, yeah, Byard was maybe the Lucy. I was going to yeah, say, Eddie, he was, he was Lucy in the uh, Houston game with the fake. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's nice. Who All gets right. to be Snoopy in this situation? Well, here's who we get right now, Amy Wells with – it's her show, so she says Amy Wells wonders. What is your Amy <laughs> Wells wonders for this morning on November 8th? On the OTP. Well, Mike, this is one for you, actually. This is a wonderment regarding you. Oh, okay. You prepare for these games and for the broadcast, and you have lots of little nuggets. Um, My office is right next to yours. I get to hear some of your nuggets. When I just shout them out. (laughs) And guess what? That's why she keeps headphones on. I know. It's really nice. I learn a lot of things. But I was wondering if there are any nuggets that you pull out throughout the week that you did not get to use in Monday night's broadcast. 
There was one real good one okay. that I that I wanted to use that I think Jim Wyatt will appreciate. Um, okay. I'm a big SEC fan. You are. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. To the consternation of the head coach, who's an Ohio State guy, and many others. I was a huge Dak Prescott fan when he was at Mississippi State. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of his. And so I was reading up on his background, and I remembered he's from Louisiana. He's actually from a small town known as Houghton, which is right around Shreveport. Okay. He is not the most and, – and Dak Prescott, I mean, for what he – Mississippi State went to number one in the country while he was there. This is a guy who has his bachelor's degree, has his master's degree. I, I mean, he is a high-type, bright – I mean, he's a leader. I don't understand why the Dallas Cowboys, he is not their problem right now, is what I'm saying. I'm a fan. So, in reading about him, though, and being from this small town of Houghton, Louisiana, he is not the most famous football player from there, however. Uh, The most famous football player is Joe Delaney. Now, that's a name you won't know, Mm -mm. but Jim and I know it. In 1983, after a glorious rookie season with the Kansas City Chiefs, Some kids fell into, I think it was a pond or a lake, I can't remember. Joe Delaney could not swim, and yet he dove in to save children and lost his own life in doing so. And, uh, I mean, you talk about heroic. I mean, when when you are of the heart and courage of Joe Delaney, uh, that's a pretty amazing thing. So not surprising to me, as somebody who likes Dak Prescott, that he would come from a place that produced such a, another great figure who lost his life 35 years ago save, and, and had 1,100 rushing yards as a rookie with the Kansas City Chiefs. Would have been a great star in the league. Wow. So that was going to be my story. Oh, Mike, you know I'm going to say that's heartwarming and lovely. I know. And well, I that know is that bothers heart- you. It, do- it doesn't <laughs> in that case. But, I mean, that's uh, because that's what it was meant. It well, was – it was not surprising to me that he would be from a place that produced that kind of character human being. Right. I like stories like that. Kind of a page too. out of A Wonderful Life. Uh. Yeah, a little bit. A <laughs> little bit. So moving on, short week. That was lovely, Mike. Okay. That made you. me happy. Well, I mean, that's a, that was Joe a Delaney's good a good story. We, the great thing about covering this league is there are a lot of great stories. Yesterday – we did a season ticket member event at Nissan Stadium for season ticket members who were either active or retired military because this is Salute to Service Week. How? On theme. Dave McGinnis came. Mm -hmm. Mark Mariani came, and they spoke to the crowd. It was really – Kenneth Adams IV was there. I mean, it's really special. And Coach Mack told the Pat Tillman story. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop. Wow. With that audience and the Pat Tillman story. And for for all of the stories that you hear that are news, that are not positive, there are so many more guys of the character of a Joe Delaney and a Pat Tillman that we get to know. And maybe they don't rise to that level in terms of the dramatic. But uh, there are a bunch of guys in this league who do some really, really special things with the, with the opportunity that they have. Yeah, there are. There are a lot of, I mean, gosh, this locker room specifically. We are surrounded sure. by some awesome, awesome Well, it's guys. like we're going to see Jason McCourty, uh-huh. and that's going to be a little hard. That's going to be. Because, ugh. I mean, that's a guy who he was on some bad teams here. Mm-hmm. And when people weren't ready to talk after games or after practice, and, Jim, you were still working for the Tennessee, and so you were coming at it from a little different perspective, but that was a guy who always – stepped forward in whatever situation 
Yeah, I man. Since covering the team, yeah, I think when he left, I always felt like he was one of my all-time favorites, just because he's such a pro and and just handled it himself well, even when things weren't going right. Uh, from a great family, and I, I'm happy for him that his career's gone like it has. And now I we hope we whip him. Yeah, on no Sunday. Yeah, about he, that. <laughs> he can have <laughs> tough, tough break well, for three hours. But yeah. th- but the point is, as human beings, he he's somebody that you really value in that way, and his brother is extra special too obviously yeah and i mean and we're going to cleveland and obviously mm-hmm. things didn't go like he thought they would there and, and ends up on a team that's uh you know that, that struggled miserably but i'm happy that he's able to be with his brother his mother doesn't have to split her jerseys anymore <laughs> to wear you know one team's color on one side uh now she can wear a Patriots jersey you know what's confusing play. though both of the name plates on the back are just mccordy yeah you just have I, to figure it out. I haven't seen a Jay McCordy or a once, McCordy, once yeah. 30 and once 32. Jason's 30 and mm-hmm. Devin is 32. And yep. They you don't, just have to know it. Right. I mean, And I think they confuse him. And the head coach, you know, Belichick, was on a conference call and asked him if he gets those guys confused. And he said, yeah, he still does. And they get him on that all the time. Nice. So I think yeah. they're probably pranking. Uh, so only one of Belichick. them has to go to a meeting? <laughs> yeah, that's smart. <laughs> All right, so short week. How does the schedule change for this football team? How was Wednesday different? Wednesday was a was a you know stuff was moved back a little bit. Had a more of a walkthrough instead of a practice yesterday, and it was a very light walkthrough. And there were a lot of guys. You know, they, when the injury report came out, it's it's kind of a projected injury report. You know, people see that and they say, okay, well, it's just, this guy didn't practice. Well, really, it wasn't a practice. It was more of a you know guys didn't even have uniforms on. So they they did a walkthrough. Uh, and it was limited. Today's the day you turn it up. You need that from a recovery standpoint more than anything else, and now everything is kind of condensed. I don't think you can get to everything in a short week, and that's an advantage that the Patriots obviously have at this point. Look through the injury report. So Bates was out just ill. Um, Crookshank with an illness too, and and he had also – he got dinged up in Monday's game. Mm-hmm. Had a uh, knee. Of yep. course, we saw Taewon Taylor leave the game with a foot, and – I think the worry, especially with Taewon and Tajay, who did an ankle in pregame, uh, one less day, it certainly is a factor for Conklin and concussion protocol with one less day. Absolutely, because that concussion protocol is so rigid. There are steps that you have to go sure. through, and time is a big part of that. So with one extra day, if Jack really is in any sort of – part of that concussion protocol there's a chance that he won't be able to go just because he doesn't have enough time to get through all the steps he needs to get through and um good to see dennis kelly back though mm-hmm. i mean it's that's the benefit you still i was still paying off for john robinson you know many years later i mean he was a great get in that dgb trade and uh glad that his health's gotten him to a point where he has been able to put the weight back on he's able to play and you know, he can fill in in a number of spots and um Thought he stepped in and played well on Monday night when Conklin went out. Any of your Missouri folks hear anything from Doriel Green Beckham? Um, he last I heard he's been in Springfield. He's I don't think that he's been called by anybody, but he's living in Springfield, Missouri, I believe. So not 
Mm. Boy, what a waste of talent. I, yeah. I, I thought he would show up. I, I don't even know if I saw after he left here that I saw him showing up to work out at places anymore. I was surprised. After uh, he left Philly? Yeah, after he left Philly. Yeah, because once his career, he goes there, his career ends, and I thought, okay, somebody's going to take a flyer on this guy just because of his size yeah. and his uh, athleticism, and it, it just never happened. Take a look yeah. at the AFC South. Houston is off this weekend. They lead the division at this point at 6-3. and three because Denver couldn't make a field goal. Womp, womp. Oh, boy. The Titans still right in it, just a game and a half out. Jaguars and the Colts both at 3-5. and five. Titans with that 2-0 and oh in the division, so huge. Now, who are we for, Jaguars or Colts, this week? You know, that's a great, great question, uh, and I'm surprised to see it for, uh, for entertainment purposes entertainment purposes only i was surprised to see the colts actually favored in that game over the jaguars i don't think i think it's a three-point line on that one i never would have guessed that would be the case going the season i think you probably want the jacks to be buried and and have them not be a part of the conversation anymore because we all know how talented they are on defense and uh so i, I think you pull for the colts Yep, I agree with that. You pull for an extremely physical game that goes into the final second of yeah. overtime. Yeah. And hope luck pulls it out. The, Maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, or a hammy. You know, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. I'm just, I mean, I know what the schedule <laughs> is. I know where we're going next week. You ain't scared. <laughs> no. All right. I'll, I'll say this, and before we stray away from those standings, I, you know, obviously you want to win the division. Sure. And you mentioned the 2-0 and o division record. That helps. And you, <laughs> if you keep taking care of business there, that's your best path to get to the playoffs and host a, a home host a game uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I will say this. A couple of weeks ago, I, didn't, I, I thought, pretty much thought, you know, any wild card possibilities out the window just because of losses to the Chargers and right. to the Dolphins and to the Ravens and all these teams you're compete all your te- these teams you're competing against for a wild card spot. Some of those teams have kind of come back to the pack. Obviously the Chargers are in a great position, but some of these other teams that I thought were were gonna be hard to pass, uh I look at their schedules and see what's coming up. That that window has uh, that door is not closed either. It, you know, it never really does. Um, it hurts the Titans that all four of their losses are in the AFC. Sure does. And they can still win the division. I think had they lost Monday night, I think two and a half games down with eight to play, I think the division almost would have gone out the window. But as long as you're within two games and you already have a win over Houston, I don't think you're out of it, particularly if you could – if you could get the game on November the 26th. It is so exciting to me that we have reached the point in the season where we can start to do playoff math. Oh, it's It's great. one of my favorite things is when you go That when you, you have from, to pull out your sweaters. Well, yeah. You're so I'm, happy. <laughs> I'm, then I'm wearing she a gets, coat today. Then she gets her coats out, too. Uh-huh. I love my coats. I know. I've got my coat. But really, I mean, it's so fun to be able to start to calculate, okay, we need a win over here. This needs right. to happen. That guy needs to go down. It's fun to watch other teams in the NFL because all of a sudden you you have a rooting chance in all of the other games. Guess too. who has a good team? The Patriots. Yeah, they're all right. They've won six in a row. Started one and two, and now have won six in a row. I think their offense is better now than the offense we saw in January because of Josh Gordon. Yeah, and and you look at their injury report, and you can't help but think that they're finally getting healthy. Sure. I think Sony Michelle's back this week, who's really been good, and that changes the look of their run but game. But with Cordell Patterson running, I, know, I mean, yep. they haven't missed him. Yep, 
it's pretty uh, amazing. A big There's question Sony is, is Rob Gronkowski and whether he's back this week. And you you can't help but think, and coaches never admit this, but they've got a bye coming up after this game. So do they take the approach, okay, give them one more game off and let them have a couple more weeks to heal and then bring them back for the stretch run? I think if you're the Patriots, you can probably afford to do that more than some other teams. Uh, that has to be going through their mind. I asked that very question of Dave McGinnis yesterday from a coaching standpoint. With the Patriots having a bye after this game, how do they play it? He goes, he'll play them. He'll yeah. Play, yeah, he said he doesn't care. He, he wants to win this game this week. And then he'll worry about the next one because his whole thing is stacking wins, which I guess is why Belichick's won 285 of them in his career. Um, but if he's not ready to go, he's not ready to go, speaking of Gronkowski or Sony Michelle, James White is on pace to set the NFL record for catches in a season by a back. Do you know who holds that record by chance? I sure don't. Marshall Falk? Matt Forte. Okay. Oh. Oh. How many does he need to? He needs 43. He has 60. He needs 42. He has 61 right now. The record is 102. Matt Forte when he played for the Chicago Bears. Ah, yeah. He's going to get it. Yeah. James White is a, is a really good back. He scored 10 touchdowns this year already. And Brady uses him and Edelman's back. And Chris Hogan's there, and he's got Dwayne Allen, and he's got Cordero Patterson, and and then and Dorsett's played okay for him, has done a nice job for him. But the guy is Josh Gordon. I mean, yeah. Josh Gordon is – people don't realize – people have forgotten about him because, I mean, realistically, he went three years without playing in the NFL because of all the off-the-field stuff. Right. This guy is 6'4", he's 230, he used to run in the low four fours or the four threes. Maybe he still does. Mm. But, I mean, his numbers for a guy who's played so few NFL games are scary. They're like Randy Moss. I mean, would be he would be talked about had he stayed out of trouble. Mm-hmm. He would be talked about like DeAndre Hopkins and guys of that ilk. So now you've given that guy to Brady. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it was really that they just kind of got fortunate with him because they needed him. It was kind of a move that was made out of necessity. They had injuries, so they said, okay, let's take a flower on this guy, and he's definitely exceeded their expectations so there. Far. Yeah, and, and you know, with his past, you, you know, certainly know that you could have some issues crop up. I mean, I, he, but he's from a talent perspective – He's off the charts and changes the look of that offense. Well, Cleveland, uh, for all of the heat Cleveland takes about things at different points, mm-hmm. they did they did everything they could for him, and they did everything they could with him. And when you know he has apparently reportedly has trouble getting to meetings on time or showing up for things, and you just can't run your team that way. In this situation, the Patriots are year to year. Yeah, their quarterback's forty one years old, and they have a culture where you either fit or you're gone. Mm-hmm. So they bring this guy in, and they're like, okay, we'll see. And, I mean, he had 130 yards the other night. Yeah, it's, it's worked well. I mean, they don't just have all these little, you know, zzz, you know, patterns that they were running. I mean, he can get down the field. Mm-hmm. He can break tackles. And then how they're able to use Cordero Patterson, who is one of the best athletes. Mm-hmm. People who have covered the University of Tennessee will tell you that he's right there with Carl Pickens as one of the best overall athletes they've ever had up there because he's big. 
Yeah. I mean, he's 230 pounds. Ran 4-4-2 at the Combine. I mean, this is a guy for his career, Cordero Patterson, for his career has averaged 30 yards a kick return. That's bananas. It's pretty spectacular. Oh, yeah. he's, he's very good. By the way, let's end with this. Um, quite a note in the news, and, of course, politics have been in the news for weeks. The election in the news, we got more of the election than we wanted. So we walk in, I mentioned earlier in the show, Walk into the hotel in Dallas late Sunday afternoon, and I click on the uh, the New Orleans L.A. Rams game, mm-hmm. and they're at halftime, and they're saying, "And we go to break with the score, thirty-five to seventeen in favor of the Saints." And the first commercial that comes on, Colin Aldred hates <laughs> hates children and old people. <laughs> <laughs> he believes we should outlaw ice cream. <laughs> Colin Aldred has poor penmanship. <laughs> He's a lousy tipper, and he thinks the designated hitter should be the law of the land. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm listening to this. They're hating on Colin. You know, those ads were, didn't matter which side you were on, they were all like that. Right. And I'm going, hey, that's our guy, Colin Aldred. <laughs> Wait a minute, I know that guy. He played linebacker <laughs> for us, and I know he likes old people. That's not right. Um, what a great guy he mm-hmm. was who came out of Baylor Covered kicks here, worked his way up, uh, and now he won Tuesday night. He's a congressman from Texas. Yeah, it's pretty great for him, and certainly a remarkable story to see a guy go from where we knew him as a player to now the position he's in. So great for him, and it's a uh, you know certainly I was happy to see him win. Yeah, he's a I mean the guy who had to battle to stay on the roster. Did he spend more time on the practice squad than probably the, so? Yeah. yeah, he bounced back and forth, and uh, I mean, he was fighting to to stay on the roster the whole time he was here. Went to law school, yeah, and has uh, has really made something of himself. We've seen several guys. John Runyon was an, another one who. John kinda, Runyon was in Congress for sure. Now we wait and see what happens with Myron Roll, who's probably one of the most impressive guys that's come rolling through here. And, uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, but you look at a guy like I, t- I tell you, those linebackers—they take a lot of pride. A guy like Nate Morrow, yes, who who played good, really good player at Vanderbilt, came here, good football player, just not good enough to make it regularly in the NFL. And uh, Richard Anderson at Christ Presbyterian Academy takes a flyer on him, ends up at a very young age putting him in charge of their upper school, and now he is the head of school at CPA, you know, just really doing some great things. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of Rusty Smith at, uh-huh. at Grace Christian, um, a lot of guys coaching and doing – Carl Klug's having a lot of success at Page. Yeah, who I know yeah, is yes. Page is best team ever. Yes. The yes. best team Page has ever had. So – in coaching and and Myron Roll in the medical field and now yep. Colin Allred, yep. pretty impressive, pretty impressive, yeah. and probably can't let an OTP in without uh, giving a mention to Chris Johnson, who officially announced C- his. Uh, J two K. And I will say that his run here was probably one of the most exciting runs that. Uh, I and mean, certainly, we've seen some great teams, some great players come through, but that 2009 season and really the 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 CJ era. Uh, and somebody made a great point on Twitter. I think he he developed a whole new generation of Titans fans mm-hmm. just by, by the way he played and the mm-hmm. excitement he brought. You always you never knew when he was going to bust a long one. Uh, he was fun to watch, and uh, he officially announced his retirement this week. I'm glad you brought that up. That's 100% correct. One of my favorites to call. Certainly, he provided a lot of great moments and. Um, 
even in some dark times. Mm-hmm. I mean, that 2009 yeah. season with the 0-6 start, and by the end, that team was playing well, and he went over 2,000 yards. If not for Ed Hockley, I think he sets yeah. the, the all-time yep. record for rushing, uh, a call for which mm-hmm. Ed Hockley – Later apologized to the team. Well, see, there yeah, you go. Really yeah. Doesn't get those yards really, back. It doesn't get the yards back, but uh, yeah, nothing I, I, like I, calling holding 30 <laughs> yards behind the play. Thanks, oh. Ed. Not good. No. Not good, but uh, but his run with the Titans certainly goes down as one of the I like best, how you did uh, that. Yeah. His <laughs> run with the, You're just constantly. That's why I you held are. held off on yeah. the. That's why yeah. you are T-G-J-W, the well, great Jim Wyatt. I resisted Maybe. the Ed Hockley flexing his muscles on that call. Uh, uh, but I held back for no, the uh, CJ reference. But uh, he was been obviously looking back. I mean, he's one of the most fun guys I've ever covered. Oh, so much fun. I mean, if you if you love the game, you loved watching him, and certainly he ended up he was a favorite on Madden. Every yeah. kid wanted to be yeah yeah Chris Johnson. Maybe CJ will run for Congress. I don't think so. Maybe not. I don't, th- I don't think he. I don't <laughs> think no. he. He's such a relaxed guy. I don't think he wants that kind of. I don't know. I, I, you know, he'll do some Bring good some stuff. Bring some juice to, yeah, the, to Washington. I, yeah, I don't think you juice. That was his line. That he was always the, used to hashtag the juice. juice. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you did a Jim Wyatt there. <laughs> yeah, that Jim was Wyatt. Good nice. work. I'm learning. Good work. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't believe I'd want to be in Congress. Do you? <laughs> no. I, t- I admire Colin Aldrin. No. God bless him, and I'm glad people want to do it. I'm gonna stay right here. Right here is good. <laughs> yep, this right is here nice is for me. good. Okay. So if you want to follow our two standouts on the social media, on Twitter, you can follow Jim White at jwhitesports.com, Amy Wells at Titans, Amy, A-M-I-E. That's me. Yes. Do you think you will get a Twitter handle? People ask me that all the time. They don't. They don't, they don't. TitansOnline. <laughs> they really do. TitansOnline.com <laughs> slash podcast to follow the OTP, and we would like for you to subscribe and, and be part of uh, the program. Remember, Titans Tonight with Keith Bullock. Special guest tonight on Titans Radio and 104.5 in Nashville is Dion Lewis. Oh, hey, that'll be fun. So your questions for Dion Lewis at? Titans Amy, A-M-I-E, hashtag Titans Tonight. Titans Amy or hashtag Titans Tonight. For Amy Wells and Jim White, my name's Mike Keith from the newly decorated studios of the OTP at St. Thomas Sports Park. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.